0: Oral questions by members?
1: Leader of the Official Opposition.
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This week, we have raised the serious concerns that British Columbians have about the revolving door of repeat offenders being released, reoffending, and being released again. Random assaults, violence, and disorder are escalating in communities right across the province, from Surrey to Prince George. In Vancouver, people are facing, on average, four unprovoked stranger assaults every single day. People are worried, they're scared, and they have the right to feel safe in their communities. What is the Attorney General doing to deal with repeat offenders? And even more seriously, the lack of confidence that British Columbians have in their justice system.
2: Attorney General. Uh, Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, I share the members' concern uh, to a point. And that concern is about the violence and the crime uh, that some people are seeing in our province and some of the horrific attacks that have been described by the members opposite over the last week. Uh, I'm concerned about the victims I'm concerned about their families and friends. And obviously, uh, everybody in this House needs and wants British Columbians to feel safe in their communities, and these attacks corrode that feeling of safety. I say to a point, because the members have tried to connect this to Provincial Government Crown Council uh, and decisions difficult decisions made every day by Crown Council and their incredibly important work. And um, I've provided them with data uh, and advised them about an area where I share concern. We have seen a decline in, our, uh, in the COVID year of the number of approved charges. I've asked Crown Council to look into why we saw that 7% decrease. I can advise the member that the mm-hmm. Minister for Public mm-hmm. Safety and I have met with the Vancouver Police Department uh, to specifically uh, canvass their suggestions around prolific offenders in Vancouver. We're actually meeting with them again today. To uh, further that discussion. I would welcome suggestions from the member opposite around within our provincial authorities, within our provincial jurisdiction, the opportunities that we have to deal with this. And I know too that overlying this is a concern about uh, the people are seeing in their communities very visible, uh, very visibly people struggling with mental health and addiction issues in the streets and that also uh, uh, increases anxiety. And I know that our complex care initiative is going to make a really big difference In that, the Minister for Mental Health and Addiction, 500 people uh, struggling with serious mental health and addiction issues will be much better supported and will not be using emergency rooms, courthouses, police resources, and so on. Uh, And that will make a difference. We're making progress. There's more to do, and I welcome suggestions from the opposition um, if they have some. Leader of the Official Opposition, Supplemental.
0: Well I want to be perfectly clear with the Attorney-General. The comments we make and the the issues we raise in this House are not a reflection of the people who work in the justice system. They're about the Attorney General and his responsibility in British Columbia. This is on his watch. This is his responsibility. In fact, on the Minister's own government website, it says, and I quote, British Columbians expect the justice system to keep their communities safe, end quote. Nothing could be further from the truth in British Columbia right now. People need to have confidence. They have to know that their attorney general is gonna stand up for the concerns that they have about feeling safe in their communities. The current approach is simply not working. It was absolutely horrifying to learn that a 67-year-old vulnerable senior in Surrey was stabbed because someone else wanted his seat on the SkyTrain. That is unacceptable. The Attorney General knows it. It is horrific when seniors cannot feel safe taking transit in our province. British Columbians who are scared and feel unsafe have lost their trust in the system and in this minister. What exactly is he going to do to allow British Columbians the right to feel safe in their communities?
2: Attorney General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, what a horrific incident on public transit the member describes. I can't imagine the anxiety and the concern that the family of this individual feel, and, uh, and I wish uh, this person the best with uh, recovery from that violent attack. It sounds awful. Um, I heard uh, from the member from Kelowna a similar horrific attack along a trail uh, in her community, uh, and. Uh, Again, um, random, unprovoked attacks, that's really frightening for people. Now when police investigate these crimes, when they arrest people, when they put that investigation file together and bring it to Crown, I can assure British Columbians that that will be reviewed by Crown against minimum standards to ensure that when that's brought to court that there will be a conviction. That we will and have grappled with decisions like RV Jordan out of the Supreme Court of Canada that imposed very strict timelines on us getting these matters to court and making sure that the files are complete and ready to go so that we get that conviction. They can have confidence in the work of Crown, they can have confidence in the justice system, and with respect to the police investigation, I wish them all the speed. And and accuracy and enthusiasm they can bring to investigating these things, putting those files together, and bringing them to Crown Council. And if members have any concerns about decisions by Crown on violent attacks like this, come to my office because I do have the ability to direct Crown if they have a concern about the decisions that are being made by Crown. I have confidence in our independent prosecution service.
3: Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. People were shocked earlier this year when Miguel Machero, a tourist from Mexico, was repeatedly stabbed in a Tim Hortons in a random attack. The attacker was wanted after failing to return to the home where he is required to live as a condition of his previous release. He also has an extensive record of prior crimes, including sexual assault in 2019. To the Attorney General, when will the province address these random attacks that continue to undermine Public confidence in the justice
2: system. Attorney General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Um, uh, over the week, I've run the members through some important changes that were made at the federal level and an important Supreme Court of Canada decision called RV Zora. And these relate to the conditions that are imposed on people when they're accused of having committed an offence. Uh, and uh, our courts and our prosecutors are bound by this federal legislation. And I'll just read a section of uh, Bill C-75, the federal law so the member understands what the court is interpreting when they make decisions like this. That they uh, require a principle of restraint, quote-unquote, for police and courts to ensure that release at the earliest opportunity is favored over detention. It's federal law. And in the R v. Zora decision, the Supreme Court of Canada reinforced that. Saying that uh, bail conditions need to be based on the premise that somebody going to court is presumed innocent. Now, our Crowns work within this context set out by the Supreme Court of Canada and the federal government. Um, I don't uh, know all the details of the case that the member presents, but if he has concerns about decisions by Crown related to offences, he should come to my office so that we can have those discussions.
4: Member for 3 White Rock, supplemental.
3: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. and I I thank the Attorney-General for the quote, but I will actually read the Attorney-General a quote from the victim so maybe he can understand what is actually going on in the streets. And I quote, I sincerely thought I was going to die. This aggression was without any provocation on my part. End quote. We need our communities to be a safe place for everyone. But people don't feel safe when prolific offenders are released again and again and random attacks occur on our streets every single day. The Vancouver Police have said, in Vancouver, four, four random assaults per day are what they're finding. When does the Attorney General plan to start restoring public confidence in our justice system?
2: Attorney General. Uh, thank you, Honourable <laughs> Speaker. Uh, the Minister for Public Safety, uh, his staff intervened in the Vancouver Police budget process to ensure that the Vancouver Police had the resources they need to investigate these matters and bring people to justice, to bring them to the court system for prosecution, which is incredibly important. And when matters come to Crown, I can advise the member they take it very seriously, their responsibility to ensure public safety and to apply the Federal Criminal Code and the decisions of the Supreme Court of Canada. Um, Other than ensuring that police have the resources they need, the Crown are applying the law in prosecuting these cases and doing it in a way that results in convictions, uh, I would welcome suggestions from the member about, um, about preventing these kinds of attacks. But we're also engaging with police and with other stakeholders. In fact, a meeting today with Vancouver Police to discuss exactly
5: these issues. I'm member for Sandwich North Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, Yesterday, the Globe and Mail indicated that Shell is assessing the uh, financial viability of expanding uh, LNG Canada uh, here in British Columbia. Uh, Quote, it raises the urgency for more LNG supply because Europe and the world desperately need it, end quote, says uh, Whale Salwan, the head of uh, Shell's Integrated Gas and Renewables Division. The Minister of Energy sees this as an indication of his government's success. The minister said, quote, The fact that LNG Canada is eager to move forward is a strong indication that companies see B.C. as a secure jurisdiction to invest in." Let's be clear. Uh, Shell is trying to spin uh, increased profits as a uh, humanitarian project uh, in a climate emergency. Uh, What does uh, Antonio Guterres, the UN Secretary-General, have to say about this type of uh, humanitarianism, Mr. Speaker? Quote, "'People and the planet are getting clobbered by climate change. Nearly half of humanity is living in the danger zone now. Many ecosystems are at the point of no return now. Unchecked carbon pollution is forcing the world's most vulnerable on a frog march to destruction now. The facts are undeniable. This abdication of leadership is criminal. The world's biggest polluters are guilty of arson of our only home End quote. My question, Honourable Speaker, is to the Minister of Energy. Will the BC NDP caucus continue to subsidize the expansion of LNG Canada?
1: Minister of Energy and Mines.
6: Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. And I think we all read that report from the IPCC uh, with concern. Uh, the chair of the uh, IPCC said, Um, We are at a crossroads. The decisions that we can make uh, now uh, can secure a livable future. But I am encouraged by climate action being taken in many countries. There are policies, regulations and market instruments that are proving effective. If these are scaled up and applied more widely and equitably, they can support deep emissions reductions and stimulate innovation. Our approach to uh, LNG development here in British Columbia uh, is i think well known but let me repeat the principles on which we that guide us in our considerations one is guaranteeing a fair return for bc's resources two jobs and training for british columbians three respect and partnership with first nations and four protection for bc's air land and water including living up to the province's climate commitments we will continue our approach That ensures the project fits within Clean BC. We will not cut corners on the environmental assessments that protect people, land, and water. And we will not abandon our climate plan globally, recognized as an innovative solution for industry.
4: Member for Saanich North and Island, supplemental.
5: Uh, B.C. is already failing to meet uh, our sectoral emission uh, targets, uh, Mr. Speaker, uh, and we somehow believe that expanding LNG uh, is possible. Uh, In a CBC article this week, the Minister of the Environment said, quote, we've made it clear in our roadmap to 2030 that we're committed to a 33 to 38 percent reduction in emissions upstream and downstream in the oil and gas sector, that part of our roadmap will be judged uh, that's that part of our roadmap, and we'll be judged on that, and that's true. This government will be judged on that. Phase one of LNG Canada is included in Clean BC models. Phase two is not. The BC Sierra Club is suing our government for failing to provide a detailed plan to achieve uh, emissions targets. So The Minister of Energy can say whatever he wants, but we don't, we don't have the information to be able to actually judge them on it. They say emissions uh, enabled by LNG Canada terminal at Kitimat alone would make it nearly impossible to meet the targets that these ministers are talking about. Jens Weiting of the uh, Sierra Club said, quote, the NDP restarted the process of the carbon tax, uh, but both the uh, previous Liberal government and NDP government have supported more fracking and building more LNG terminals, and that's a key part of the problem, end quote. My question, Mr. Speaker, is to the uh, Minister of Environment, explain to this assembly how the expansion of LNG Canada can fit into our 2030 emissions targets.
4: Minister of Environment and Climate Strategy. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker, and thank you to the member for the question. And let me simply state, as the uh, the member quoted uh, the CBC interview, what I said: We introduced the Clean BC Roadmap to 2030 to spell out for British Columbians, all British Columbians, as well as our colleagues across Canada and across the world, a series of measures we would take across transportation, across buildings and communities, across industry, and including the oil and gas sector as to how we would reduce our emissions. Included in that was a clear commitment to reduce emissions in the oil and gas sector by 33 to 38% By 2030. The focus of emission reduction has to be on reducing emissions. We will work with industry, with nations, with experts, and we'll introduce regulations if necessary to demonstrate clearly to British Columbians how we will achieve the commitments that we made. That is what we need to do. That is what will be judged on. And I'll simply close by quoting one of the British Columbia members of uh, a previous member of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. I am thrilled with the release of the Clean BC Roadmap that fulfills our original commitment in Clean BC to fully meet our legislated greenhouse gas emissions target for 2030. Members, the roadmap's comprehensive sector-wide approach to emissions reduction leaves no stone unturned. And it's a plan that signals to the world that BC is going to lead the way in the transition to a low-carbon future. Those words come from a climate scientist, honourable speaker. That climate scientist is uh, a member of the faculty at the University of Victoria, and his name is Andrew Weaver. Member for Vancouver, Langara. Mr. Speaker, this week we learned that residents at Woodwards Community Housing in Vancouver's downtown Eastside are losing an on-site nurse. This at a time when this government should be adding mental health resources in supportive housing, not taking them away. Nurse nursing position has been funded since 2010, but is now being cut by the NDP. Woodward's resident, Angel Gates, wants to know, and I quote, Why, during a pandemic and an opioid crisis, you're going to take away our nurse? End quote. Will the NDP listen to Angel and the other residents of Woodward's and give them back their nurse, who they rely on?
2: Attorney General. Thank you, uh, Hon. Speaker. I I saw the same uh, news article that the member did. Obviously, I'm concerned. Uh, I understand that Vancouver Coastal Health has made a decision around allocating resources. I can assure the member uh, and the residents of Woodward that, uh, Woodward's that uh, we are looking into
1: it. Kelowna Mission.
7: Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Cutting mental health supports in, supporting, in supportive housing is exactly the opposite of what we need to be doing right now, and exactly the opposite of what this NDP government promised. When the premier was asked about the tragic slaying of UBCO security guard Harman Kaur, he said, and I quote, It is high time that we started building the complex care so that we can house those individuals. End quote. The RCMP say this is the third incident in Kelowna this year where a person was killed related to a mental health issue. Our city's promised complex care facility is nowhere close to completion, despite consistent urging by the city of Kelowna for the last three years, even delivering a white paper in 2020 to this government. So instead of urgency, there is no timeline, no budget, and no clear difference being made on the ground by this NDP government. My question is this, how much longer Will Kelowna have to wait until shovels are in the ground on complex care?
4: Minister of Mental Health and Addictions.
8: Mr. Speaker, I'll, I'll address the member's question about complex care housing in a minute, and it's an important one, but I will say again in this chamber that for any of us to conflate. Mental health or substance use with violence is not fair. It builds stigma. We have to let the police investigate their work. But driving uh, fear and driving people's uh, hiding of mental mental health and substance use challenges is something that drives people away from the health care system. So we need to be very careful about how we speak about these things. So, now speaking to the member's question about complex care housing. Members will remember that it was in February that we committed, in the finance minister's budget, $164 million to build uh, complex care housing facilities throughout the province uh, and um, at its total build-out to bring services for people with heretofore unmet needs, um, complex intersections of mental illness, substance use, often living with acquired brain injury, the people for whom supportive housing has not been enough, people either who have been evicted often or are at risk of eviction. So, In February, we adopted the budget. This week, the first uh, citizens, new residents of complex care housing, moved into the first facility in Surrey. That is breakneck speed. We all feel the urgency. And we have announced complex care housing in Kelowna. It's one of only five communities that has been named. That work is happening with urgency throughout government. I'm honoured to lead that work. And I'll continue to talk with the member about how plans advance in Kelowna. But she can be uh, very uh, pleased that the advocacy of her mayor has um, has resulted in an announcement for Kelowna. They will have complex care for people in the past who were left out in the cold. Thank you. Thank you.
4: Member for Caribouchil-Corton.
9: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, certainly I don't think you could define breakneck speed uh, over a period of five years that you've had opportunities to fix some of these problems. The Attorney General had mentioned uh, canvassing us for suggestions on how to help in this province with respect to what is happening on our streets, and I have a suggestion. How about we try to stop releasing these repeat offenders? How about we start there? Mr. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, every day in Caribou Chilcotin, we see the results of ju- a justice system that is failing to protect the public from repeat offenders. Police this week are looking for a man who entered a 7-Eleven, pepper sprayed an employee, and demanded cash and cigarettes. On Monday, Brittany Matho's truck was stolen. Also on Monday, in Williams Lake, an RV trailer was stolen from Lakeview Avenue. On Dog Creek Road, a man was shot outside of his residence. Armed robbery, theft, and shootings day after day after day. Frontline responders, our RCMP, they are doing everything that they can to keep our community safe. But our residents are losing faith in our justice system, when will the attorney general address this daily violence on our streets?
2: Attorney General, thank you, uh, Honorable Speaker. Um, so, it's important to recognize the role of Crown Counsel, which is that they receive the recommendations from police. So, when they're actively investigating something and putting the file together, Crown then received the file from police. The members uh, earlier asked questions about people who had been uh, quote catch and released. Uh, uh, the uh, there was a. Uh, uh, a stabbing in a coffee shop a horrific incident uh, uh, as of uh, the most recent information I have that individual was arrested and charged and remains in custody there was a Surrey stabbing of senior on a Skytrain most recent information I have is that person was arrested charged and remains in custody um, I think Williams Lake thank you Williams Lake is a community that has struggled with crime for a long period of time uh, and in fact uh, they have really struggled historically they were number one uh, for crime. Uh, and, and I will note, uh, even before we formed government, the City Council and the Mayor have worked really hard to bring that down. We've had multiple meetings, including as recently as, uh, as last week, with uh, the Mayor from Williams Lake to identify solutions. And the member can be uh, dismissive of my invitation to the opposition to bring forward suggestions. That's fine. But uh, I also note that sometimes they say that we don't ask them for suggestions. So, um, if, if you don't have suggestions, that's fine. We're doing the work over here. Continue. Well, we, we can't release people who haven't even been arrested, Honorable Speaker, on the examples that he gave. So, the people need to be arrested by police, brought to Crown, and Crown will do the work according to the federal law. And suggestions about how we interrupt this cycle for people beyond complex care, beyond other initiatives we're doing, are always welcome from the other side. Mm-hmm. Member for Prince George Mackenzie. Thank
9: you, Speaker. Last month, a Surrey police officer working with the CAR 67 mental health unit suffered stab wounds when attacked by a woman who was wanted on outstanding arrest warrants. Two weeks ago in Kelowna, a man pulled a knife and stabbed an RCMP member in the face. And just yesterday, we learned of another RCMP officer stabbed trying to make an arrest in Karameas. Day after day, we see violence on our streets as individuals are released and breach bail and probation conditions. People have lost faith in the administration of justice in this province. When will the attorney do his job to restore the confidence that has
2: been completely lost? Attorney General. Uh, Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, We started this uh, session this afternoon by expressing appreciation to law enforcement Uh, in this place, but also externally the Victoria Police Department uh, who have done work to keep us safe here and I think that uh, it's an opportunity, the member's question, uh, to express appreciation to all law enforcement in the province for the work they do to keep us safe. It's it's difficult. It's very difficult work and the member's uh, examples that he gives of horrible attacks on police Uh, demonstrate that uh, it is risky work and so when family members send off their loved ones to be uh, police officers in the community uh, I think they all have a little bit of anxiety Um, I know I would it's a very difficult and challenging job Um, when uh, someone attacks a police officer when they attack a civilian when they stab somebody when they assault somebody um, we count on police to do those investigations to bring those uh, matters forward uh, into our justice system And I'll take the member's point. It is not a perfect system, but it is the best system we have. And we are working every day to improve it, to make sure that those matters are getting to trial sooner, that we're meeting the timelines set out by the Supreme Court of Canada so matters aren't dismissed for technicalities, to make sure that the files that are brought forward by police are uh, sufficiently robust that we're actually going to get a conviction, so that the person serves time for a serious crime. We're doing all of that work. Happy to uh, provide a briefing to the member about the detail of our work Work that's been happening within the Crown Prosecution Service uh, to achieve those goals, even in a pandemic, even when our justice system was under incredible stress. Member for Skina.
1: So, we're listening to the Attorney General answers, and we know Crown Counsel is trying to do their job. We know that, and we commend them for that. We know the RSMP are trying to do their job. We understand that. But this is about what the Attorney General is not doing, this is about what, what the BC government is not doing. And you even look at the B.C. government website. It says British Columbians expect the justice system to keep their communities safe. At the end of that, it says the B.C. government is transforming justice services in ways that meet these expectations, meaning safety of our communities, our businesses. So the question has been asked repeatedly, and we've brought examples of attacks, shootings, and stabbings happening in our communities. But instead of listening to concerns of people of terrorists who are facing theft and violence on a daily basis, The Attorney General is dismissive, but momentum is building as terrorists are getting cities across B.C. to sign on to their letter calling for tougher action on repeat offenders. And I quote, communities, local business owners and workers, the economy, as well as the public, feel the impacts of repeat offenders who commit property crimes and thefts repeatedly and without consequence. End quote. The letter has found support from Duncan Mayor Michelle Staples. With more and more cities signing on, my question: How many more cities will have to lobby Attorney General for action before he finally takes action on repeat offenders? Attorney General.
2: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, it was the mayor of Terrace, not me, in the Terrace Standard, who said that we had a very productive meeting, that she felt heard, that she was optimistic that she would see action, and I share that view. I think there is uh, an opportunity for us to work together, not just with the mayor from Terrace, We're also, I can advise the member, uh, working with the urban mayors on exactly this issue. We've been meeting with police, the Minister for Public Safety and I, again, we have a meeting today with Vancouver Police on this very issue. I can assure uh, the mayor of Duncan, the mayor of Terrace, other mayors that are concerned about this activity, and I'm sure they're hearing about it in an election year from constituents, that we are here to work with them and address these issues, and I look
0: forward to doing that. Thank you, honourable speaker. The bell ends the question period.